up, dog? This is Stephen Lee Clark, and this is Talk. Oh wait, oh wait, my bad. Oh shit, hold on, hold on, hold on. my bad. Oh yeah, yeah, I almost forgot. Here we go. Yeah, uh, how the fuck could I forget? This is the motherfucking metal edition. Feel me? Metal edition of Talk Full Radio, episode number six. Uh, the reason it is the metal edition is A, we are talking to my good friend, Jonathan Dick, the man behind Steel for Brains, uh, which is like one of the only metal websites I fuck with, right? And uh, also, one of my main dogs, slash my main dog's main dog. Kim Galdamez, she is curating the fucking music on today's episode. Uh, if you know the fucking painkiller, right? That's that's Kim. Uh, she is metal as fuck. Feel me? And uh, that's tight. So uh, yeah, I personally grew up with fucking death metal. I love the shit. Always have. Uh, when I was like fourteen. Uh, I got my, I got a Nile record and some fool gave it to me like, Oh, you fuck with blah, 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 like, like, listen to this. And it was like a joke. And I listened to that shit and I was like, God damn, this is like one of my favorite things I've ever listened to. And so that fool thought he was going to clown me and ended up fucking making me hella tight. Feel me? Uh, yeah. So metal edition again. Now last time. Oh, okay. Here we go. I'm going to say this right now because I forget every fucking time. Okay. I forget to say this every single time. Uh, you know, you can email me at talkforradio at gmail.com. But the thing I forget every fucking time is I have a Twitter account for Talkful. So you can follow me on Twitter, Talkful Radio, uh, or Talkful SLC, Stephen Lee Clark, feel. Um, and yeah, I usually just say a bunch of crazy shit. Uh, I always, always mix up the two Twitter accounts, my, right? Because I have mine and I have talk fools and I always forget which one I'm on. So you can probably catch me saying some dumb ass shit. Um, my bad. And I guess if you know me, uh, you always catch me saying dumb ass shit. So, okay, whatever. But anyways, yeah. So last episode, lol me, I was like, Oh, I'm going to try to keep this shit under two hours. And it was the fucking longest episode. So that's proof that not only am I a genius, huh, but, you know, sometimes I'm a clown too. You feel me? Motherfucker. But uh, yeah, so we're going to just get right into this shit because I don't want it to be fucking three and a half hours now because every fucking one is longer. So here we go. This is the first song picked by fucking motherfucking painkiller Kim, uh, my dog. And this is Sarcophago with Nightmare. Uh, feel it. <laughs> Yeah. 
tight. Uh, once again, that was Sarcophago out of Brazil with Nightmare. And thank you, Kim, for the slaps today. Uh, there'll be a couple more. You guys already know that. So, again, I don't want to fucking take all day here, so I'm just going to get straight into the news. Here's some bullshit that happened somewhere today. So, today I got a couple new ones, but this one is just something that I've been following for a while, and I really fucking like it, and I think you guys will too. I want to let you guys know about it, and if you know me, you know damn well why I think this shit's interesting. But anyways, mysteriousuniverse.org, okay? The eerie enigma of Cicada 3301 right um if you know me you probably heard me talking about this shit because i was like when i first heard about it i was like what the fuck and then yeah the shit is crazy so cicada 3301 in january of 2012 okay an image with a message kind of just attached to it uh emerged on the internet i think it popped up on like reddit and just like a couple of different places and uh so the image was just this like grainy picture of a cicada Right. If you don't know what a cicada is, it looks like a fly, um, makes the craziest fuck noises, uh, bury their eggs in the ground, blah, blah, blah. Right. Just a just a fucking insect. OK. The message went like this uh, word for word. It said, hello, we are looking for highly intelligent individuals to find them. We have devised a test. There is a message hidden in the image. Find it and it will lead you on the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the few who will make it all the way through. Good luck. And the shit was just signed 3301, right? Very mysterious. Fucking very haunting. Uh, shit is tight. But yeah, so this all just started with this single image. And uh, the first, basically the first step was pretty much basic steganography, right? Uh, I think that's how it's pronounced. But if you know, it's steganography is basically just the practice of embedding information within images, right? And apparently it's like, you know, pretty entry level cryptology, whatever. Um, but this single image and message has developed into the most in-depth, mysterious and ongoing puzzle in the entire internet age, right? So basically... Uh, it all started with that picture. Uh, people deciphered the message within the picture. And there was like, it was just clue after clue after clue leading you on this fucking gigantic like scavenger hunt basically. But it's just kept finding clues, right? And it was very elaborate and really tight. So the clues were fucking plentiful. And they referenced like a lot of tight shit and just to name a few, keep in mind, there was a lot of them, uh, but I just went through. So they referenced like William Blake poems, box songs, uh, cuneiform script, Mayan numerology, collective intelligence, uh, esotericism, um, Jesuit philosophy, Carl Jung, Nietzsche, Jean-Paul Sartre, Zen Buddhism, number theory, prime numbers, book ciphers, and uh, the Tor router, which is like that, uh, you know, the entrance to the deep web uh, tight. So <clears throat> also on top of that, the clues took you to all these like crazy locations across the world. There's a bunch in like major U.S. cities, right? Um, but you would also find them in Spain, Australia, Russia, France, Japan, South Korea, and like Poland, uh, among a bunch of other places. Now, yeah, it was just crazy as fuck. Like these like uh, cryptographers would decipher these message and it would give you like coordinates to go to another place. And then you would find literally like a, a 
like a flyer or like a painting of a cicada and then there would be another clue and and it just took you on this really elaborate really long journey and so the thing that sucks is it so one happened like one huge string of clues happened January of 2012 and then exactly a year later another string camp happened right and then uh, in 2014, another long string happened. But the thing that sucks is for some reason it didn't emerge in 2015, right? Uh, I don't know why, but I hope it keeps going. And uh, I'm going to really try to learn about computers because I suck at them and I want to get in on this shit, you know? Uh, nah, I probably won't. But if you try, uh, let me know what's up because that shit is super fucking interesting to me. So the cool thing is nobody has ever stepped up to claim responsibility for these puzzles and no one has tried to like profit monetarily off them in any way. It's a literal fucking mystery. All right. Um, I think it's interesting as fuck. The closest thing though, from anybody hearing about this like group or person or whatever the fuck, uh, was Chile's government claimed that they were like they knew about them and they were a hacker group conducting a wide variety of like illegal activities. But then, uh, the 3301 group emerged on the internet with using a PGP encrypted statement. PGP means pretty good privacy, right? Uh, so it's pretty easily deciphered. Um, but they used a PGP statement saying they in fact were not doing anything illegal. Right. And so nobody could even prove that, these people were doing anything wrong, uh, you know, and so they just like cleared that shit up, you know, but, uh, as you can imagine, uh, myself included, <laughs> a lot of people have like really crazy theories about who's behind this. Some people think it's like a government recruitment program. Some people think that it's just like a tight ass group of hackers. Some people think it's like fucking aliens. And some people think that it's like, you know, the high powered elite, and uh it's a weird it's a whole weird thing it's all super mysterious and it's been around for what three years and it's really tight um apparently right apparently the another weird thing about this is that a few people actually have completed it right but only one person has ever talked about it and even then they were very cryptic about what happened after they completed all this shit right um and it kind of is just, it's weird. It's weird that someone would go through, it makes it even more mysterious to me, that someone would go through all these steps, travel around the world, uh, figure out all this shit, and then not talk about it, right? It makes me feel like something happened along the way. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, so apparently one kid, uh, he got all the way to the end and got access to this like deep web chat room. And in the chat room, though, there was literally just he said that there was just some baked basic like crypto talk going on, um, uh, cryptocurrency, uh, like bitcoins and shit like that, um, talking about it. Like basically it was seems like a whole anonymous feel, you know, um, so you, nobody knows what to you know, what to make of it. And again, it's just really fucking interesting. And you guys should dive into that shit because I read up a lot on it and it was really good. Actually, one other dude said that he reached the end. Right. But the dude said that once he reached the end, all he got was this message sent to him saying, uh, 
we were hoping that you would do it on your own. Right. So they knew that he was like collaborating with other people to do it, which is fucking crazy. Right. Um, I don't know. One cool thing, though, is that it has. Well, I guess it's cool, but it's inspired like government agencies to create a, like devise similar tests to run like potential <clears throat> like hackers or whatever through this like gauntlet of uh, just different uh, cryptography tasks. Right. Um, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, it was just, it's just a super mysterious thing. It's called Cicada 3301. Um, I wish I knew everything about it, but it's really mysterious and it's hard to find. So you should check it out. I'm going to follow it on, you know, I'm going to continuously follow it. So we'll see what's up. Um, moving on. All right. This shit made me laugh. Uh, over at BBC.com, the fake battle that fooled Islamic supporters and their opponents. <laughs> Lol. Uh, so <clears throat> there's this guy in London and his name is Ahmad Al Mahmoud and he runs this Twitter account called Iraq surveys. He has about 14,000 followers, um, which is like, you know, the same amount that I have, uh, nah, uh, just kidding. Um, but he, it's usually just like this Iraqi news account. Um, but apparently one day, uh, he, in his own words, he got fucking bored. Uh, well, he didn't say fucking. He got bored and decided to tweet this. He tweeted, the Islamic State has finally withdrawn from Shishwa, right? <clears throat> and he even tweeted a fucking Photoshop photo of, like, news outlets covering the ending of this battle, this, like, fake battle, right? Before he knew it, a bunch of people, as they always fucking do, started like gossiping and elaborating on this uh, situation, right? Some were posting updates of this supposed battle, and some were even posting like maps showing the movements of uh, the armies, uh, like the movements of the Islamic State, the Shiite, and the anti Islamic State government fighters, right? Others were tweeting shit like big celebrations in Karbala after the freedom of Shishwa, right? And other countries started getting dragged into it, like with shit like Saudi army must quickly mobilize to the Iraqi border. Shit's ridiculous, right? Now, the funny thing about this is, again, it's all fake, right? It's like really fucking fake. It's like fake as fuck, right? And Shishwa is Iraqi Arabic for cheese bladder. Okay, that's fucking cheese bladder. The fuck? What the fuck is that? So like all this shit. So he kind of just tweeted this thinking that um, people would know that it was a joke, but hell, people are fucking idiots and they didn't. And so they all just like fed into this crazy fake battle. Right. <clears throat> um, so he said he started as a joke. And after two days of this shit getting way, way, way out of hand, uh, he put a halt to it. Right. Now, this dude, he wasn't really trying to do some, anything. He was, like, again, just joking around. He doesn't take sides with any particular movement, right? Uh, and he is kind of sticking to the story. BBC interviewed him, and he's just kind of sticking to the story of, like, well, everybody should have fucking known it was a joke. It's not his fault that people are fucking idiots, right? Okay, I see you, right? And then, but the whole point of this, right, and it was oh yeah so like the and then all these literally all the the internet presence of these different like real entities these the islamic state and uh the shia and and the uh government uh militia 
they were like freaking out about this and they were tweeting things, addressing it and blah, blah, blah. And that's when he was like, oh, fuck. Right. <clears throat> and I agree. That's fucking crazy. But uh, so the thing that struck me about this, right, is how and again, you guys know me, right? All of you personally know me, right? And uh, you guys know that I love conspiracy shit, right? And if you've ever been in a conspiracy shit, this is a real deal like fear of a lot that a lot of people have. And it, the whole point of this article is how fucking easy it is to fake something as crazy as a fucking war or like a fucking battle, right? And uh, if you've ever seen that movie, Wag the Dog, it's about this exact shit, right? And I love that movie. And I personally think, A, uh, a lot of shit we see on, in the news is fake as fuck, uh, visually fake, right? Uh, and B, I think that Wag the Dog is like a slap in the face to the people because they're just telling us what the fuck they do, right? <clears throat> Perhaps. Uh, but yeah. So in that movie, Wag the Dog, the government, like the U.S. government enlists this Hollywood producer, Dustin Hoffman, my dog, right? Uh, and they, he enlists the producers and directors in Hollywood to stage a fake war, right? And they, and they use this fake war to like sway political opinions and cover up some scandal and uh, basically like rig an election, right? And uh, again, I totally think not, you know, not to the craziest level, you know, but I think I think that this shit is totally done, right? But you know I do love the fucking craziest level shit, so let me tell you about this shit, right? Uh, I listened to, a while ago, I listened to an interview with this dude named John Rappaport, right? And that motherfucker says some really tight shit. Not, you know, not that I'm backing it or anything, but it's my job to let you motherfuckers know about it, right? Uh, and not that I'm totally against it, because I don't fucking know. All remember, if you remember from the past, all I give a fuck about is possible, right? And I enjoy shit that is possible. But this motherfucker, John Rappaport, says that he fucking saw the Twin Towers collapse on TV, right? And then looked out his window, and they were still fucking there, right? And that shit is fake. And he said there was, that nobody died in 9-11. And he said that there was no airplanes, right? And go ahead and get mad about that, but that's cool because I'm not saying it. You know, I'm just presenting you with some really tight, entertaining information, right? And then that motherfucker even went as far to say, uh, again, down with it. Uh, don't know if it's true, but I'm down with it. That motherfucker goes as far as to say that, A, he doesn't trust Edward Snowden. You know, we just talked about this, right? A, he doesn't trust Edward Snowden, but B, that motherfucker's not even real, right? He's just fucking hologram, CGI, you know? And shit, CGI is crazy as fuck. I remember when I saw fucking the first Jurassic Park, right? Which, you know, the new one came out, and I'm going to go peep that. But, like, I saw the first Jurassic Park, and I was a kid, and I was like, motherfucker, these are real fucking dinosaurs, okay? I don't give a fuck what anybody tells me. But that's just an example of how crazy CGI is. And it doesn't seem like that crazy to me that they could just fucking create a fake human and have them everywhere. Oh, yeah, and there's those, like... Uh, Japanese like pop groups where like one person is real and like fucking 45 of them are just total fucking holograms right uh you know it's crazy but it's not that crazy all right moving on uh let's get back to some real shit uh you know damn well I'm gonna get crazy about this one though uh over at theguardian.com all right <clears throat> U.S. airport you guys might have heard about this shit and okay I read this and I got fucking pissed okay I got fucking angry and upset 
right? And I'm, I'm a soft fool, but sometimes I get upset, okay? Uh, so over at theguardian.com, U.S. airport screenings fail to detect mock weapons in 95% of tests. Okay, now I'm just going to give you some information, and I'm going to fucking tell you why this upsets me, all right? Okay, so U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson, it's really fucking J Johnson because J-E-H, but he says that it's pronounced J, whatever, but J Johnson has reassigned the top TSA uh, that's Transportation Security Administration official after reports that screenings failed to detect mock explosives, mock explosives and weapons in 95% of tests conducted by undercover agents, right? 95%? Are you fucking kidding me? All right. Uh, the, they held tests at dozens of airports throughout the U.S., right? <clears throat> um, let's see here. In one case, this fool apparently set off, he set off an alarm. All right. But even after the fucking pat down, they failed to find a fake explosive taped to his back. Okay. Um, I don't fucking know about that, but you know, whatever. Again, I'm presenting the fucking information. Okay. So the results of these tests are of, right. Of they're fucking classified. Okay, your, your average fucking fool like me and you can't go fucking look at them, you know, so they're giving us all these test results, but only what they fucking want to give us because the real ones are fucking uh, classified. Okay, but whatever, you know, uh, so supposedly they're going to use these test results to like improve screening procedures and address like specific vulnerabilities demonstrated by the tests. Okay, so they're looking at what the fuck everybody failed at and they're going to fix them right okay now that that is basic you know okay so melvin caraway was the acting administrator of tsa but that fool's fired now right Juh fucking fired him and now a dog named mark hatfield will be acting deputy director until another replacement is found all right so that's the information that was the article but let me tell you something like i'm gonna tell you why this shit fucking pisses me off all right because straight up like I fly a lot, right? And I don't want to be scared to fly. And then I started realizing, like, for some fucking reason, right, the media wants me to be fucking scared to fly, right? And why the fuck is that, okay? So I started thinking, like, okay, it started at 9-11, right? Uh, they fucking wanted you to think, like, oh, uh, if you get an airplane, uh, there's a good chance that it might be fucking hijacked, right? Because terrorists, blah, blah, blah. Man, come the fuck on, Okay. Uh, if that shit happened, like, you know, that's cool. Like, uh, you're, you saw two planes that were hijacked by, you know, terrorists or whatever, but let's be fucking real. Okay. Like let's look at fucking numbers. All right. Let's look at fucking numbers real quick. Okay. Uh, I got some fucking numbers for you. So the national air traffic controllers association. Okay. They say that there is over 87,000 flights a day only in the u.s right man come the fuck on and so i was wondering like damn it all started with terrorists it all started with hijacking airplanes right and then it died off for a while whatever and then the rate of people traveling uh picked back up okay but then i was thinking like damn in the past few years uh there is a there's got to be some sort of reason that the media wants me to be scared of flying they want all of us to fucking be scared to get on a fucking airplane all right so you know, a couple years ago, you got these fucking Malaysian Airlines flights that are fucking disappearing in thin air, right? Like, seriously? Okay, yes, it's possible. And, you know, 
It might even happen. I'm not saying that it didn't happen. All I'm saying is that even if they did disappear, 87,000 flights a day just in the US. You know what I'm saying? Just in the US. Think about that shit, right? So it's obvious that the media just chooses and I don't think it's random. I think there's an agenda, right? What do we say? Everyone has an agenda. And I uh, don't exactly know what they're up to, but I'm going to figure it out, right? Don't worry. And I'll let you motherfuckers know. Okay, so you got the fucking Malaysian Airlines just like disappearing and shit, right? So don't get on an airplane because that shit might just fucking vanish, right? And then, you know, I, I dude, I read some really fucking crazy shit. And that was like, uh, you can look it up too. It was about a dude that was sitting in first class and took control of the fucking airplane, right? With the fucking Wi-Fi. What the, what? With the fucking Wi-Fi, he took over the airplane. He didn't crash it, but according to the fucking, the, the mainstream media, I'm talking mainstream media, this motherfucker took control of the airplane for like 20 minutes or something like that. And, uh, just like, you know, relinquished his control. But I was like, come the fuck on. You guys might not know this about me, uh, about your dog. That's me. But I worked on airplanes. All right. I worked on airplanes for three fucking years. Okay. Uh, and you know, I worked on the fucking communications right? And I worked on pretty much everything that fucking transmits, okay? And let me tell you, I know a lot about fucking airplanes, and that is fucking impossible. There's no way, dude, there's no way that those motherfuckers, like some fool can just hack into an airplane via the fucking Wi-Fi, right? So again, damn, uh, I want to travel, but I'm hell scared that someone's just going to fucking electronically hijack this airplane man come the fuck on and then you got like suicidal co-pilot right in the germanian uh, crash so like yeah uh i'm supposed to be scared that some motherfucker like i get on an airplane and the pilot might be fucking depressed and fly the shit into the fucking side of a mountain come on dude Eighty-seven thousand flights a day just in the u.s all right let's do some fucking math right what's three so let's just go let's just look at the past you know few years all right let's say three three times 365 times fucking eighty-seven thousand. this is just the u.s was that like 95 million right Two hundred sixty-five thousand. right i see that off the top of my head uh no i'm just playing there was a calculator here but uh yeah that's fucking bullshit man come on and uh so yeah it makes me think like why why do they want me to be scared of flying uh yes you know the perfect example hey remember when ebola was gonna kill us you want to talk about some shit ebola okay ebola made it into the u.s fucking uh ladies in fucking quarantine come the fuck on bro like seriously and uh i remember thinking that i dude i remember when that ebola shit was going on i was like okay i wonder how long this is gonna last you know what i'm saying and then it's just like oh now it's fucking mers MERS, oh, I just, I just read a fucking, uh, uh, article about Korea can't fucking contain MERS, like, oh, seriously, like, Korea, oh, well, I guess it's on its way here, I better start fucking panicking, right, yeah, and fucking, you know, donating my money to some fucking, you know, disease fund, or some bullshit, right, I don't know, bro, I'm just saying that the media has a fucking agenda, and for some reason, they want us to be scared to fly, okay, and I don't like it, and I'm not scared to fly. Uh, you know, it's a scary thing, but not because some crazy ass shit's going to happen. Look, look at the fucking numbers, dude. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, so whatever, man. Like, I'm not trying to get all crazy, but hey, fuck it. I will get crazy, okay? Uh, why wouldn't they want us to fly? Uh, I don't know. If they're going to 
try to control a population, it's probably a good idea to keep these motherfuckers from just like traveling wherever the fuck they want. We got to keep them isolated, right? And there's no way you're going to keep, you know, everybody isolated, but a good way to fucking hinder the like the movement of an entire population is to make those motherfuckers scared. What's the easiest way to make a large amount of people scared? Oh, the fucking news, right? Everybody watches the news. Everybody watches fucking CNN. Everybody's on the internet fucking following NBC Man, fuck that. You know, if you want to talk about some shit that, you know, is killing me, how come I don't see every fucking day on CNN, like motherfucker weighs 300 pounds, dies of a heart attack. Cause he ate McDonald's every day. I don't see that shit. You know, and I guarantee you more motherfuckers die from being obese and diabetes and shit and fucking than any motherfucker on, a, on an airplane crash. Right. Shh, please, bro. I see through the bullshit. I know what you're up to. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to look in the shit. You, you know, I'm going to look in the shit and I'm going to let you motherfuckers know. And and while we're at it, you know, what I'm saying I'm just going to put this PSA out there. Hey, you should trip from sitting on a couch because that shit could catch on fire and you'll fucking die. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't smoke a cigarette while sitting down because you could fall asleep and that shit will fall on you and you'll fucking burn up. You know what I'm saying? Come on, bro. Uh, I'm just kidding. But, you know, might as well be that shit. You know, why don't you talk about fucking, why, why is there fucking, uh, you know, hella shit about fucking crossing the street without looking both ways? Because I'm sure more motherfuckers die like that than fucking dying in an airplane crash, you know? All right, well, yeah, that's why that shit pissed me off. And, uh, you know, it pisses me off because I'm smarter than that and you're smarter than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not fucking idiots. Again, we see through this bullshit. Now, there's one thing that I really want to apologize for, and it's not going on a crazy rant. It's uh, about saying the word bro so much with a hard O. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, yeah, you know bruh with the uh is fucking you know that's last year's shit you know what i'm saying so i'm over it and i was trying you know i've been trying to say bro with a hard o uh but i don't like it either you know so uh anyways moving on all right next up on kim galdamez's fucking metal block oh yeah this is the metal edition don't forget uh the haunting presence tampering with the patience of unknown energies fuck with it <laughs>
All right, that was The Haunting Presence with Tampering with the Patience of Unknown Energies. And the second song was Tribulation, In the Dreams of the Dead. Tribulation's tight as fuck. Can't wait to see those fools live. Um, well, that concludes the metal as fuck portion of our show, right? Uh, I want to thank Kim for hooking those songs up. Uh, Kim has a night. Uh, she puts on a show about, I think it's like once, once a month, around once a month. Um, and it's called Born for Burning. And it's tight as fuck. Very, as you guessed it, metal. And uh, yeah, she puts on a lot of tight bands, brings them out here. And uh, you can find it on Facebook and Instagram. I will definitely have links for that in the fucking show notes. All right. Um, so yeah, coming up, we got fucking Jonathan Dick. Uh, he's a cool motherfucker. Very inspiring to me because that motherfucker's busy as fuck. He does so much shit, and uh, I really appreciate the shit he does. So, uh, yeah, like I said, moving on from metal, and now I'm going to play some shit because uh, I asked Jonathan what he wanted to hear, right? And that motherfucker told me that he wants to hear the new Soup John shit, right? So I'm down. So I'm going to play the new Soup John Stevens for you. It's called Carrie and Lowell. Uh, one more time, you can... Email me at talkfulradio at gmail.com. You can follow me on fucking Twitter. Can't believe I'm remembering to say this shit because uh, I never do. Lol, it only took me six fucking episodes. So, yeah, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at talkfulradio or talkfulslc. All right? Um, yeah, let's just get straight into this shit because, again, this episode is about to be six hours long. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just playing. But, uh, yeah, here is Soup John Stevens with Carrie and Lowell, and I will see you on the other side with fucking Jonathan Dick. Peace.
In this ridiculous age of idiocy, I believe information rules all. And remember, fool, always check the legitimacy of the source. Our next guest is the definition of legit. In this vast, disgusting wasteland known as the internet, as far as metal goes, Steel for Brains is pretty much my go-to blog. Jonathan Dick is a man of many fucking talents, and he's nice enough to take time from actually changing the world as a teacher to lace us with music, interviews, and all-around tight-as-fuck insight on our shit little scene. If you're not a regular on Steel for Brains, please remember being ill-informed is like the most unattractive. But, if, but I know you are. And I know you're bomb, so please welcome the man, the dog, the legend, Jonathan Dick. What's up, dog? Hey, man. How's it going, Steven? It's going great, dude. It's fucking good to talk to you, man. It's been a while, actually. That's that's quite an intro, by the way. I feel like I really, I, I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. It's all true. Uh, well, you do, thank you. Thank you, you do so much shit, dude. And it's like, uh, just for the little time I've known you and... I mean, what? When did we hang out? Which tour was that? That uh, was that the Paul Bearer tour that me we all kicked it really hard. Uh, actually, it's an interesting story. I hung out with your mom before I hung out with you. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I hung God, out dude. with your mom, and it was pretty rad. It was at the Athens show, the Deaf Heaven Athens show, and yeah, your mom dude. was so like chill and everything. We talked about. I, I guess she has roots in Alabama or Georgia or yeah, Georgia. She like, uh, she loves the South dude. I don't know. She just moved there. And, um, like when I was really young and I mean, I was like fucking like three years old or something. She moved to Georgia and she dated this fucking really cool woman for a long time. And then they, that kind of ended and she just stayed out there. She loved, she loved Georgia. She loves the South. Oh wow. It's fucking crazy. Well, Cause like my mom's super, chill and like but she's super like south mentality so i'll be like riding along with her like when i visit her and she's just like i'll see like a fucking like gun or something i'll be like whoa dude like what the fuck she's like oh babe like you know i'm not gonna be the only one without a gun here i'm just like you're fucking crazy <laughs> dude that's <laughs> so weird dude that's yeah your mom's the greatest so yeah, I, she, I have i have no doubt but yeah i think we we you and i met Maybe that same night. I yeah, can't I remember it. it too. Yeah. It was a yeah. long fucking uh, tour for me. It was a long couple years for me, dude. Uh, no doubt, man. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Um, so, yeah, you were, you were at MDF, right? How was that? MDF was really good. Um, I, you know, it's one of those deals where you always – I went and you're like super pumped and because I'm a wimp, um, like one day into it, I was just like, fuck man, my back's hurting. My, my feet are hurting, you know? And I, you know, I, I, I guess it's one of those deals where I, I feel my age, which is pathetic. Cause I'm not that old. I'm only 33, but I mean like, God damn, it was, uh, it, it was, it was great. The sets were unfucking believable, but I, I'm just an old man. That's that, that's my review of MDF. I am yeah. getting older. Well, yeah, that's, dude, I fucking absolutely feel you, dude. Like, even when we play fest, dude, like, there'll be bands I want to go see, and I'm just like, dude, it's too fucking hot, dude. I'm fucking, I'm, like, dying, dude. I mean, right? I'm just, like, crashing the fucking green room or whatever. And if we don't have a green room, I'm fucked. I'm just, like, so bummed out and shit. See, that's the thing with, with MDF. Like, I love, I actually liked Baltimore, and I've, I've, I've been a couple of times now, and um, I liked it a lot. And, uh, the thing about the weather is like during the day, it would just be like fucking just brutal hot. Yeah. Um, and then at night it would, this breeze would come through and you'd be cold. So I didn't know if like I needed to pack a parka and like swim trunks in the yeah. same, you know, 
You know what I'm saying? Like you're just shedding and shit. You're just trying to, I don't know, man, it was great, but I loved it. I, I, I love more, more than the bands. I love being around like just friends and yeah, you know. totally, man. Yeah. There was a lot of people that went, I really fucking would love to go to that shit, but you know, whatever. A little bit. You need to come next year, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm fucking, I would love that. Was there anybody that like stood out to you? Like uh, any bands you saw that you were like, dude, this is amazing. Um, you know, man, Demolik, seeing Demolik live was pretty fucking tight. That was, That's sick. That, that was pretty sick. And I love the fact that they were so completely self-aware that they only made one record. They were yeah. just, you know, hey, we're going to play another song off one of our records. Uh, the only one we made. <laughs> That's uh, fucking tough. So, like, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, yeah. Them, uh, honestly, dude, this thing, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself when I say this because everybody says this, but Yob and uh, Neurosis, Inner Arma. Those dude, guys. rightfully so, man. If Dude. That's fucking so tight. I mean, every time I've seen Yob and Neurosis, it's fucking mind-blowing, dude. Uh, yeah. And, of course, seeing Agoraphobic Nosebleed for the first time was pretty <laughs> – that was pretty fucked up in wonderful ways. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, uh, totally. You you couldn't – there was no elbow room. There was barely even, like, shoulder room yeah, in yeah. that venue. And it was it was amazing, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Fucking incredible. Those, I saw those fools that, like, years ago at some, like, shit – warehouse like oakland punk fucking fest dude and it was like really fucking tight dude i was like i was kind of like apprehensive because i never really got into that band it was one of those bands where i was just like well that sounds ridiculous like uh i don't know how tight it'll be. and then i saw him i was like oh this band's fucking tight dude this band's fucking oh they're it's insane man yeah dude they're tight as fuck yeah i loved it yeah it's my fucking fault for being a fucking close-minded and shit you know what i'm saying that's all right i'm close-minded too that also comes with age the Absolutely. older i get you're right the older i get the fewer fucks i give and i'm just like ah, if i'm not into that band in the first track or two i'm like ah, I'm so gonna, true dude you so know. true yeah absolutely um all right well uh real quick i really fucking appreciate you coming on here and uh i just got a few questions um want to talk about steel for brains and for you know the world but for me personally i want to talk about writing too because uh i love writing and i want to get some insight about that because i'm a shit writer you know what i'm saying oh uh, no i'm just nah. kidding <laughs> um, I don't so uh so yeah let's uh let's start off i just wanted a little bit of back like so steel for brains is your blog and it's fucking Pretty much like the one, I mean, there's a few, but yours is like my go-to like metal block. You know what I'm saying? So as far as Steel for Brains, how did you, give me like a little background on that and like everything that led up to it and how you want, why you wanted to do it and all this stuff. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about it a little bit, um, it, you know, and it, it, it's, it's weird and it sounds kind of romanticized, but so I, it, you know, but it's, it's true. Um. Um, then I'll, I'll avoid being melodramatic. Um, but I, I think you, you've, everybody's pretty well aware of what happened with my daughter recently. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, and of course that's not the first time that she's been hospitalized. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, the, uh, first time she was hospitalized was in 2012, February of 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, same thing, although we didn't know the diagnosis, it took this third time to really figure out, you know, what the fuck was going on. But, um, that first time I, um, I stayed in the hospital with her 11 nights and, uh, just, you know, 
you you hear stories about people finding solace in music and finding like some catharsis and, and you know you seek it when you're at when you're at that moment of desperation when you can't control the circumstances especially when you're a control freak like me you know mm-hmm. you want to you know you just want to get in there and you want to you know fucking fix it mm-hmm. um i basically spent all 11 nights listening to uh nothing but but metal and specifically uh opeth i listened to opeth's discography like front back back front just over and over again and it's you know uh even even some of the 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 bad songs i just listened to right through and just because i needed it yeah and um i was you know not to air out the family laundry or anything but i my marriage at that time was coming to an end um we we both kind of knew it and um yeah, it just wasn't the best time of of my life and i'd always wanted to write about music i'd always wanted to I'd always wanted to be in a band, actually, because I'm a musician, but not as good a musician as you need to be to be in a band, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, it does make sense because I'm the same way. I just fooled everybody. Um, if I, can. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy that. But, you know, it was one of those deals where I, I, I just, I, I kind of found myself at bottom. And uh, right after my divorce was in June of that same year, Hannah got out of the hospital, everything was okay. And um, dude, I, I moved to this like shitty one bedroom apartment in downtown Birmingham that I mean, like I, I there, I saw a rat crawling across the floor. There were like <laughs> raccoons outside of my door. The, the door didn't even lock properly. I had like no money whatsoever. Um, I had enough money to buy canned tuna and like a, a case of beer, and I mean like Natty Light shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is fine, you know, Natty Light's fine, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, <clears throat> to each his or her own. But you know, I, I remember I also just I, I sought out. I had a laptop, and I sought out uh, the, the local cable company, got an internet hookup, and just sat there, and I was like, you know, everybody has a blog, and I know nothing about blogs. I I know I. I I know a little bit more now, just a little bit more, but not much. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. So I literally just started looking up. I didn't have a Facebook account. I didn't have a Twitter <laughs> account. I didn't have an Instagram. But I just started emailing bands. Mm-hmm. Email. I would go to their website and it said info at, you know, I think one of the first people I emailed was uh, Greg Anderson because I love Sun. I love Southern Lord. Mm-hmm. And it, the email was just info at southernlord.com. I, I, I emailed Kathy Pillow at Sergeant House. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, dude, I was just, I was, I can't imagine because bear in mind, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I just started emailing random bands, the bands that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, not just indie bands. I emailed like Judas Priest, <laughs> you know, I emailed time, Metallica, I emailed, you know, or <laughs> definitely not Metallica, but yeah, definitely yeah, no. like a few rungs. That's so tight with, though, dude. But, you know, and uh, I, I went to Tumblr and I, I swear to God, I've said this before. I looked at all the sites. I looked at WordPress and I was like, no fucking way. That is too involved. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what to do there. <laughs> Tumblr was so easy because it was like, do you want to enter text? Do you want to put a photo? Do you yeah. want to do that? I was like, that's for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got totally. that shit a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I stole a, a GIF off of, uh, at first, uh, did, like for two weeks, I had this GIF of an octopus with a uh, skull for a head because that's my tattoo here. Yeah, tight. And, and I was just like, fuck it. That's going to be the logo. And I think the original title was Loud Thinking, oh, okay. which was fucking terrible. <laughs> um, and I just remember, like, my 
I remember my dad saying, because back in the day I was listening to like, I can't remember what metal band it was, but my dad said, you know, but people that listen, he goes, that stuff's for you know, people shit. That stuff is for people with shit for brains. Yeah. And like it always stuck with me. And so I was like, fuck that. It's steel for brains. And I, and I just, that's tight. that's honestly it. And, and I, I eventually just kind of gotten like Joe from, uh, uh, Joseph, uh, from Paul bear was mm-hmm. the first person to respond. Oh, and that's was just awesome. like, Hey dude, send some questions over. I'll answer them. I can't imagine what went through his head. He was probably like this fucking hillbilly from Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> well, Joe's from Arkansas, right? So he's like, oh, dude, <laughs> Arkansas is like high country compared yeah, to that. Uh... <laughs> I mean, you know, our mosquitoes are the size of like cats. Yeah, and, that's fucking. That's so. You funny. know, but yeah, and that, that's really how it started. I was, you know, I was at the end of myself, and I had nothing else. And I remember just sitting on my, I didn't have furniture, and I just sat on my ass in that apartment, I had a sleeping bag. And was like, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta do something. And this music has done so much for me, you know. I, I need to ask these people questions because they're they're special to me and they're important to me. And what they do is uh, ha- has been there for me when literally nothing else was. So that's totally. that's kind of the origins of it. That's fucking awesome, dude. And like, I'm I can totally relate to you with that because that's basically how I started this podcast. I was like fucking want to do one forever, and then. I heard my friends be interviewed on this podcast and I was listening to it and I was like, I've loved talk radio since I was a kid. And then I just listened to this interview. I was like, dude, I could do this like way so much better. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, I don't, I don't know the technicality like shit, but I was just like, I'm just going to fucking go for it. And I did the same thing. I just like wrote down all friends that I had that I could interview. And I was like, Oh, this list is like pretty chill. Like I'm going to try it out and fucking just like kind of, just fucking going for it like zero to a hundred, you know? Um, yeah, but I have a, a bunch of other questions, but most importantly, and first before all that, like how is, uh, Hannah, how is your daughter now? She's doing all right currently. Well, thank, thank, thank you for asking. Seriously. It means a lot. Uh, she's, uh, she's doing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, Sometimes, some days I think it's not even her, it's the rest of us adults trying to cope with everything else, yeah. which I know sounds kind of fucked up, but, you know, you know, she does her therapeutic treatments and everything mm-hmm. and they're continual and she's, we're having to, we're having to change lifestyle basically. And it, yeah. it seems like something that's menial, but I mean, just due to the fact that her disease makes her so susceptible to so many things, mm-hmm. um, it's you know, you don't want to be that overwrought, crazy ass, overprotective parent who's just yeah. like, no, 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 wear these, wear these gloves, put this hazmat suit on. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, but it, it, it's kind of like trying to balance between being careful and then just being flat out fucking neurotic. So, yeah, but she's, absolutely. dude, compared to where we were two months ago, um, man. Yeah, it's, we're we're a lot better. That's great, we're a lot man. Better. I remember, you know, I remember seeing all that shit online, dude, and being totally bummed out about it, obviously. But then, really, just like appreciating how everybody just fucking like responded and like came together, and it was a big yeah. ass team, and it was fucking some truly like wonderful shit, man. Like, uh, yeah, if you can, pull I was overwhelmed. Anything, yeah, absolutely. If you can pull any like positive shit out of tragedy, man, you know, it's like so cool that like all these people came together and fucking helped out and just like even you know fucking yeah it was it was really cool man and i mean you know 
if you weren't a chill, really talented dude, like, you know, I'm sure nobody <laughs> would give a fuck, but that's really awesome, dude. Like, you know, and fucking, I'm stoked that she's doing better. And I think she's so lucky, man, that you're like a, a great dad and shit. Those pictures that you post on fucking dude, I'm always like so tight, dude. I'm so, oh, so down with that shit. I'm just, uh, you know, I sometimes regret posting those not for me, but for them, because I know they're going to grow up and eventually <laughs> be like, Oh my God, dad. Yeah. <laughs> ah. So, yeah, you know, funny. But at the same time, I kind of relish that too. So I Absolutely. hope one day that I, you know, if I hope that one day I am a source of terrible embarrassment, I was just like say, my dad was for me. Exactly, yeah. dude. I was going to say, you, you know. fucking, you got to be a source of embarrassment, man. That's like that's a, right. it's a parent's job, dude. That's absolutely right. <laughs> um, so yeah. So besides Steel for Brains, I, I love like a lot of the, just your reviews and I know you write for a bunch of different stuff, what is like Pitchfork, NPR, um, Mm-hmm. Who else do you write for? Um, who, uh, Pitchfork, uh, NPR, Spin. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God. I'm losing my uh, – Paste. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still do stuff for Brooklyn Vegan. Um, I, I've done a couple of things for The Quietus, Terrorizer, Decibel. Damn. Um, it, it, who, whoever will reply to my email. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fucking <laughs> – that's crazy, dude. Um. So did you always know that you wanted to be a writer or was it like something that sort of developed as you got older or was it something that when you were young, you were just like automatically into, you know, I I've been, when I was a kid, I I was very, and I've said this a couple of times before when, as far as just what I grew up in, um, I was raised in a Christian cult, Mm -hmm. um, uh, which sounds crazy, which was pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, it sounds crazy. But, um, but I remember, and I still appreciate a lot of the stuff that I learned, specifically with the Bible, because like the Old Testament was just so fucking raw. Like it's I so loved, crazy, man. Absolutely. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, like I love the whole David and Goliath. I love the flood. I love like seven-headed of, monster. Yeah, seven-headed monster. The wheel. The yeah. you know the. The uh, Elijah chariots of fire. I mean, you know, that to me was like the tits. I was like, that is the. Dude, the book of Job where. Oh, man. He just gets totally shot like shitted on. He gets wrecked. Yeah, dude. I mean, you know, and and it's because God's like, yeah, he seems he's pretty cool. Fuck his shit up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was. But I I love that. and, And I guess from the perspective of writing. Man, I'll be honest with you. I had I, I can't draw for shit. Um, but Same. from my earliest memory, I just remember like telling stories and hearing stories from my dad. And uh, and I joke about my dad a lot on Twitter. Um, but my dad is like one of the most incredible human beings I've known. Just to know what he's been through, mm-hmm. um, and he's passed down these stories from what he grew up with. And um, I just started, you know, I I, I read things like. Um, Oh God, the Amelia Bedelia stuff and Madeline. Mm-hmm. And I read, you know, like, um, uh, Madeline Lingle's, um, a wind in the door, um, a wrinkle in time. You know, I, oh, I read I'm this so down, dude. Love that. Show. Yeah. I mean, I read this stuff and, um, when I did, I was like, kind of like what you said with the, with the podcast, I read it and I was like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to write stories and I'm like seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, because my mom's an English teacher. She had us reading constantly for every, 
minute of television, this went on until I was 10, for every minute of television we wanted to watch, we had to read a page of a book. That's fucking tight, dude. That's so really tight. it sounds tight, but it was fucking terrible at the time, because yeah. especially if there was like a movie you want yeah. to watch that you knew was going to be like 120 minutes, <laughs> uh, you're going to read a whole fucking book, yeah. you know? <laughs> but um, but it made me, it really made me appreciate um, appreciate it. And I, I just, dude, when I was like seven or eight, I just started writing. My, my mom has... <clears throat> these notebooks she probably has two gigantic blue bins of just notebooks from the time i was probably nine to now or not that's now awesome. but probably like where i got out of high school right in the beginning of college that's fucking awesome dude oh man i, I don't know <laughs> it could be embarrassing <laughs> no yeah yeah for sure um but I, yeah i was the same way man i was just like read so i dude i've always said that i'm truly truly lucky that i enjoyed reading when i was a kid because I never did fucking shit in school and totally just like failed out of every school, like high school and all that shit. But yeah. if it wasn't for just being interested in fiction for me, you know, I was like, dude, I would be, <laughs> I don't even want to think about where I'd be. But yeah, that's, that's cool. Do you remember like uh, the first like, like serious piece you wrote and like maybe for for somebody or when you wrote something and you were like damn like i'm really proud of this like this is what i'm gonna do with my future and shit <laughs> oh man uh the first like super serious man that's a tough question actually i think i i, I know what it is um i i went and I wrote a lot during high school, but I, I, I refuse to say that any of that was serious because, mm. I, you know, that's yeah. just bad, bad, sad breakup. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. my heart is broken. Yeah. You know, um, but, uh, I think probably as when I was a sophomore in, in college, I was at UAB uh, then, and um, I had a teacher, a creative writing teacher who's just fucking crazy. Um, I mean, she was literally batshit bananas and I mm -hmm. loved it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just, you never knew it was going to happen. Um, I, I, she, she was really great though. And she inspired me because uh, up to that point, I'd never had a write. I've never had a, I've, I've never had a formal writing class except mm -hmm. for, um, that one. And it wasn't really formal. It was just like a fiction writing workshop. And when I say fiction, I mean like scare quotes because there was not a whole lot of workshop going on yeah. it was yeah. her coming in talking about her marriage and how her <laughs> husband was a piece of shit yeah um and it one thing she did say uh that really resonated with me was that you know you have if you've lived a life at all if you've lived longer than 10 years you have volumes of books and it's kind of a play on flannery o'connor's quote about you know if you've had any experiences whatsoever i mean you know you have enough to write books for the rest of your life. And, mm -hmm. you know, it got me thinking about my childhood and I, you know, without delving into any of it, I, I, I've had a pretty fucked up childhood, mm -hmm. um, to say the least, <clears throat> but, you know, and for a while I was very, very kind of entrenched in that and kind of attached to that. And fiction for me is fantastic. I do love writing fiction, but also nonfiction was, was something that I kind of ran from, from a, for a long time. And uh, so I started writing about my relationship with my brother, um, w which is difficult for many reasons. But um, I wrote a piece called um, Abel's Due. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. it was just about, like, it was, a, again, a play on the biblical story mm -hmm. of Cain and Abel. 
Um, and a story about two brothers, one of whom is trying to be successful, uh, one of whom is uh, basically a miscreant. He's been in prison a couple of times, which has to do with my brother. My brother had been in prison a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was one of those deals where I, I wrote it, and I wrote it in one sitting, and I, I kind of stepped back, and I looked at it, and I was like, like whoa, I, I don't know how that came out of me, and, yeah. but I fucking loved it. It felt cathartic. It wasn't like, oh, my God, that's a work of genius. It was more like, oh, my God, I feel so much better after having totally, written that. Totally, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that was the first piece that like hit me right in the chest because – up to that point, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to go to Crazy. Alabama Law School. I wanted to be a civil lawyer and just fucking be rich and be an asshole. Yeah. Um, so I'm one of those things now. Um, but, uh, <laughs> cert- the, certainly not rich by any stretch yeah, of the imagination. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was that was really it, man. <clears throat> That's that awesome, it. man. And did you say that was like around high school or something? When was that? No, that was my, I think it was a sophomore oh, yeah. in, in college. Yeah. When I was in high school, um, I, I read some of my first serious literature. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of outside the canon, yeah, as yeah, it yeah. were, you know, the stuff that you're required to read. I remember reading, um, and again, because I went to a very conservative school, we weren't allowed mm-hmm. to read anything that was uh, secular. Wow. Which, if you think about it, that really a lot of shit. cuts out a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're yeah. reading a lot of... I mean, I was reading, you know, commentary on the Bible, commentary on Greek, on Hebrew, wow. learning how to read Hebrew, learning how to read Greek. I mean, just just all kinds of good shit that I still very much appreciate. But thankfully, my mom would we'd come home and she'd be like, okay, school's great. Now read this. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That's awesome. Right. And so she was handing us like the Grapes of Wrath. She was handing us um, a lot of stuff. and. That's awesome. One story that really hit me was uh, Faulkner's A Rose for Emily. That's and, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I read that in 10th grade, and I was just like, this guy, this yeah. guy's got it. Yeah, totally. You know, and I, yeah, and I know that's a common story that everybody kind of cites for him, but for me, that was that was definitely the beginning of, of a game changer, for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, I talk about it on a, another episode, but um, – I kind of had the same thing, man. Like I was just a total shithead in school and didn't do anything. And then I had this English teacher that was the same thing. He was a fucking weirdo, dude. And he, by all, like on paper, he should have hated me, right? But I like, we had this understanding, like I'm not, I don't do anything in school, dude. Like I'm not gonna, I don't really plan on doing anything. But I talked to him about The Great Gatsby, right? He gave me The Great Gatsby, like we had to read it. And I was like, dude, this book is amazing, dude. And he was like, kind of made this deal with me that if I would read these books that he gave me, like he would not really worry about me not doing shit, you know? And so (laughs) he would fucking give me all this shit, dude. And I was like, I would just come back to him and like tell him all about it and like talk to him about it. And dude, I can, and now I'm 30, dude. And I look back and it's like, dude, that was one of those like cliche stories that I totally believe in. And it was like that full changed my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And before that I had no aspirations in art. I like loved music. I was like a death metal kid, but I wasn't into like the create, like creating stuff, you know, and like just writing. And then in that same class, man, I remember, uh, we, our final was to write it's what you were saying totally reminded me of it. I was supposed to write an ex, an extra or an alternate ending to power of one. 
and I fucking oh, wow. loved, I loved that book. Right. And I, same thing, dude, I was like 15 years old and I was like zoning the fuck out writing this. And in my mind, I was like, this is hell stupid. Like I'm going to write like fucking blah, blah, blah. And it was the most ridiculous, <clears throat> like, like epic like fight scene in the end with him he was a boxer you know and it was like this epic fight scene in the end but i was just like un like knowingly putting all this effort into like description and like all this like stuff and uh it, dude it it ended up like it was the same thing i was like like totally zoned out wrote this long ass like alternate chapter ending and fucking uh it ended up like, dude, I had to like read it in front of like the whole like northern like I had to go to some like district thing and like oh, read it in front of everybody. I was like, <laughs> whoa, this is fucking crazy. Uh, and yeah, it was the same thing. I was like, damn, I felt I feel like hella good after I wrote that, you know. And right. I, in my mind, I was like, uh, I don't give a fuck about this. Like, I'm just being a shithead, you know. But it oh, like, yeah. turned out like that. I really liked writing, and I was like, whoa, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> and dude. Oh, and I, same thing i like fucking really appreciate that teacher he's the only teacher i've ever like emailed after like i graduated wow. and i dude this was not even that long ago it was like 20 i was like 28 or something i was like this oh, is wow. hell yeah this is hell silly but like you turned me on to literature which made me appreciate art which made me pursue like what i wanted to do which is music and you know writing but writing is like a lifelong thing for me dude you know yeah and like if that that for me is like the the tipping point you know when you were yeah. like oh i'll give you these books dude it's all good don't worry about it and i was just like man that's tight as fuck it's crazy right because that's like yeah he was like breaking the rules you know what i'm saying he was like not giving a fuck about me doing my work and like hooking me up with shit and totally altered my course of life you know well, I mean, you know, that's a common story. You know, that's, I think I've mentioned to you, that's uh, as much as I wanted to be a lawyer, um, mm. I I went into teaching after substitute teaching <clears throat> one day. Yeah. Um, and I, I joke and say, you know, I, I made the worst mistake of my life by substitute teaching one day because I fell in love with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just started sub teaching, like substitute teaching. I, I was substitute taught a K4 class once, uh -huh. which was really interesting because yeah, um, I'm like six one and uh, <laughs> they all ended up crying at, at one point. Uh, I can't remember why, but I think it was just because I messed up the routine. Yeah, yeah. And so I felt like a dumbass. Yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, you know that, that I love those stories I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, you emailing him means so much to me, weirdly enough, because for all the emails I might get, you know, uh, for an interview or for whatever, like nothing comes close to when I get, you know, an email every other month or something like that from one of my former students saying, yeah. thank you. And I, and sometimes I don't even remember them because I've had, you know, over, I mean, I've had over a thousand so yeah. more students and it's just like, whoa, you know, that, I mean, it's the best feeling because you, at the time you're like, there's no way I had an impact on that kid. I tried totally. everything I did, but <clears throat> It happened in, yeah. in spite of what I thought. So, I mean, that's, I love, to me, man, that's the, that is the best thing in the world. Yeah. I didn't, Seriously. I didn't even know that you were a teacher until we talked about it on Twitter or something. I was like talking shit about kids, which I always do, uh, <laughs> which, which is funny. I mean, I, I talk shit on a lot of kids, but I do really enjoy like intelligent and fucking like awesome kids, you know? And like, uh, you know, I was just surrounded by them. My family always had fucking 
it literally since I was like seven years old, kids were just consistently born in my family. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was like, because of that teacher I had, man, I, all, it took me a while, you know, I had to mature and stuff. And then when I started thinking about it, I was like, dude, that is the most admirable, like fucking profession, dude. Cause you're literally, it's literally definition of like changing the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, like putting this awareness and putting this, like, like planting the seed of just like uh progressive, like intelligent thinking, you know, and it's fucking some crazy shit, dude. Some really crazy shit to me. It, 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 re it really is. And I, I, I think that um, I had a really, I had some really great mentors as a teacher and as a, as a college professor too, you know, I had a lot of great, insight and a lot of good people who are on my side and telling me, you know, it's not about you, you know, leading them somewhere. It's about you guiding them somewhere. And mm -hmm. there's such a chasm of difference between those two things. And, you know, a, a teacher who's willing to bend the rules Absolutely, and say, dude. you know, that's, that's okay. Because I mean, <clears throat> it goes back to the whole thing that we're such individual people and we have such individual needs and we have those dreams and we have those wants for me, you know, I, I'm not giving them anything. I'm only helping them kind of uncover what's already there within them. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that that that's that makes my job easy. Absolutely. You know, it's just it's just a matter of being like, hey, oh my God, you've got this within you. If you could just yeah. peel back these layers of bullshit and all this stuff that people are telling you, there's a light within you that nobody else has. So, totally. that to me is like the the best thing so. yeah that's cool as fuck man yeah i i fucking have always like had this patience thing with kids where i just can't handle it you know <laughs> but the kids that i'm close to dude like my cousins and shit dude i will just tell those fools like just fucking be happy you know what i'm saying do whatever yeah. you fucking want you know what i'm saying like you're not going to disappoint anybody but yourself so just do it you know and yeah. that's like that's some really tight shit dude that that you not only that you do that, but you like actually have this like enthusiasm. Cause I mean, definitely, you know, in my, all my years of school, dude, like, or, you know, high school, <laughs> but yeah. all those years, dude, I, he was the only teacher that was ever like stood out to me, you know, he was the one that made an impact, you know, cause a lot of them were just like showing up to work and shit. And I was like, man, yep, that sucks. Um, is there like a specific topic you teach with, with kids or like what age group do you, do you teach? Um, I am, uh, I have two teaching jobs, actually. Um, I teach uh, Monday through Friday. I'm the literacy coordinator for uh, eighth grade. And I have to, I have to be kind of careful. Mm -hmm. I, I can't say any names or anything like that as far oh, as like yeah. where. But, I mean, that's fine just because, you know. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I teach eighth grade. and I'm the literacy coordinator at a um, kind of a almost inner city school. It's kind mm -hmm. of a right inner city suburb. It's right there. Um, and, uh, basically I, I deal with what's called remedial, uh, remediation to help students who have failed, um, uh, students who, uh, a lot of my students cannot read when they come to me. Wow. Um, so essentially I help them, uh, I help them read and I help them learn how to read. And, um, uh, that's what I do Monday through Friday during the day. And then Mondays and Wednesday nights from 5.30 to 9, I teach uh, kind of the same thing to college freshmen in English. Wow. So I do a little bit of both. So Mondays and Wednesdays, I call hell days. Those are like 14-hour days. Wow. That is so. fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> that is, that's so tight, man. You're literally just like 
lacing people with fucking the ability to learn you know what i'm saying and like fucking you're teaching people how to fish instead of catching the fish for them you know yeah that's which i love i love doing that that's amazing dude um so so like when i was a kid uh again hold on one sec i gotta go turn my alarm off absolutely go for it because my my roast is still going (laughs) so sorry about that no it's all good um yeah, I can just, I'm going to, I usually, I keep it minimal, but I go in and edit like after the interview, I'll just cut out any like blips and hiccups. And you, you can totally keep that in. Oh, since cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cooking for my kids. Oh, so, cool. <laughs> you know, tight, tight. Um, so you said you went to school, uh, like you, how you have like a couple degrees and stuff when you went to college. Um, as far as like your college experience, is it, are you one of those people that like really values what you learned in college or was it more like a fucking money pit or was it like, did you, do you like feel that it helped you along in like your path? You know, that's a, that's a really good question, man. Um, that's a really good question. I'm, and it's very relevant to today, uh, because you got a lot of for-profit schools and honestly, let's not kid each other. Almost every school, including this mm-hmm. it's just i mean they're 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 money machines man. Absolutely. they just they want to suck up all the money they fucking can and you know our educational system across the board in america is just utterly fucked. total shit yeah. but that said um i did learn a lot in college um as far as i'll say this i learned a lot in college as far as how to engage someone in a reasonable argument Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned more social skills in college than I learned anything educational. In fact, kind of like what um, Mark Twain said, you know, my education began as soon as my, you know, schooling ended. Schooling ended, yeah, totally. I mean, that, that's pretty, and I'm, I'm misquoting it, but it's something, it's something like no, that. No, I know exactly really, what you're talking about, yeah. You know, because I, I, I had my first child, I, I didn't have my, my ex-wife had our first child when uh, I was 23. Uh-huh. Um, I got married when I was like a month after I turned 20. Um, so, I mean, life has been my educator and and like I said, I've been through, I've been through a lot. I've been Mm -hmm. through a whole hell of a lot, not to complain, but it's been, that has been the greatest teacher for me. It's just experience Mm -hmm. and talking to other people. That's to me, that's the most invaluable thing as far as education goes. Did you ever notice, uh, cause I am a huge fan of logic and like, do you ever notice that when you're, how you're talking about like having like a well formed opinionated debate with somebody did you ever notice that people fucking hate that like most people fucking hate that oh yeah dude it's so crazy man i used to just argue with people like dude you're outside of the realm of a plus b equals c and like people would just be like no like get hella pissed off at me and shit and i'd be like fuck dude this is bad (laughs) well i mean look the thing about that is and i completely agree and especially with like you know twitter culture or social media culture. I mean, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Like, when you think about it, for, for me, and I'm old school, so I could be wrong. I might be wrong. But it really boils down to laziness, mm-hmm. um, lazy thinking. The path of least resistance is to have a knee-jerk reaction to something. And hell, I've done that. Everybody's done that. Everybody does, yeah. But, yeah, but that's that's laziness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, it, it is a lack of restraint and a lack of self-honesty. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and that really, it's applicable across the board and it's really applicable to, um, you know, even an interview, mm-hmm. um, learning to just be,
be quiet and listen because our instinct is to immediately come back with, eh, you know, but just yeah. to let it kind of simmer and let it, you know, and I had difficulty with that because I, I run my fucking mouth just as you've seen here. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, I think with logic and reason, people don't want to listen to it because it's a threat mm-hmm. and because it's going to cause them to think Yeah, absolutely. and thinking it, and thinking is hard work mm-hmm. and is. nobody wants to do hard work. I, yeah. yeah, I always looked at it as like a, an emotion, more of like an emotional response than like just a, exactly what you're thinking, take, like or what you're saying, like taking the time to think about what is being presented to you, you know. And it's like emotion to me is the fucking arch enemy of logic, you know. And it's yeah. it's a total, you know, every same same with me, dude. Like sometimes I'm an emotional fucking fool, and like, and it it. it pisses me off sometimes about myself but like a lot most of the time i try to keep it logical and shit but it's like a balance that most people struggle with you know yeah and that's that's the thing and what's supposed to happen and i say supposed to happen is that you're supposed to grow up and learn to balance those things because your emotions are just as valid as your logic you know the intellect um you know your intellect and also you know your emotive response you know the ethos pathos whatever have you mm. i mean you know those things are important um but learning to balance between them because and again not to harp on on twitter or anything like that because i love twitter i mean mm. i love twitter in as much that i can just say whatever random shit pops into my yeah. head because that's pretty much all i do yeah, yeah. Um, same <laughs> i mean you know whatever but the thing about it is is that Everything is so instant now. Exactly. That it's Absolutely. easy to to be like, well, fuck that, man. I'm fucking tired without even thinking mm-hmm. about the context. Absolutely. And it's something you know, it's something that you learn, you know, in um uh in college and high school and even with, with you know, with parenting that context is vital, man. Context Absolutely. is just I mean, you could take anything out of context and it sounds like the worst yeah. fucking thing in the world. And then Absolutely. you plug it back in. You're like, oh, that's that's beautiful. Yeah. So I mean, that's it, it, it's in my mind. It, it makes um, it puts the onus of being thorough and being thoughtful and being objective that much more crucial on the backs of journalists, writers. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that, instead of just hopping on the bandwagon and being like, you better crush those fucking CDs. He said that. Well, okay, yeah. let's think about it for a second. Let's hold up. Yeah, yeah, you know, everybody wait. Let yeah. it unravel before we make decisions. So, Dude, the crazy you know. thing that I always say about Twitter, dude, is it, it's it's context. Exactly what you're talking about. It just takes, like, all, like, if, you know, me and you are talking, we're looking at each other, right? And I can say something, and there's all these, like, very subtle, like, responses to something that i say you know and it's like a you know just a small reaction in the face or like body or like and it takes all this environmental like variables and it just throws it out the fucking window you know and there's no like you don't have to like reap what you verbally sow like right then and there you know and it's yeah and it's it blows my mind dude and then take that and then add that you're not talking to one person you're talking to like you know 500 or thousands even it yeah. is it's a like it boggles my mind dude when I, I mean i love twitter too and it but it's just like wow dude just taking out all these like environment like environmental like like influences on a conversation yeah you know? well here you know for all that it does it's interesting it's ironic to me you know that twitter's you know the, the 
the information age. It, it's done a lot of wonderful things for everybody. I mean, it's a great, great platform. But it's also introduced sterilization into the human conversation mm-hmm. because you have to clarify. Were you being sarcastic? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, were you... Or is this a joke? This yeah. is a, and, and you wouldn't have to do that in a normal conversation. So in my mind, you know, it's kind of a dual thing. It's a good and a bad. It's bad because it does that, but it's also good because it teaches you to be succinct and it teaches mm-hmm. you to be clever in how you communicate your ways. And I, I think that's great. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all about code mm-hmm. switching. So, but yeah, not to harp on Twitter so much. Sorry. No, I know. I, yeah. I talk about Twitter all the time too. It's because like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very like, it, it just boggles my mind, dude. There's a lot of shit about it. And it's like, I guess, social networking in general that like strike me as like really crazy, dude. Like really strange oh, yeah. to think about. Um, really, Real quick though, back to back to college. Like I, I went to one semester in college in my life and was like, man, fuck this. Like I want, I would rather just go do what I'm going to do instead of blah, blah, blah. I didn't have any money and shit. And, but I always, in my older age, dude, like I always wished... I, I do wish, and you know, I'm going to go back whenever I, you know, I have no rush in time, but I am a big fan of like remedial knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like just base training in anything, you know? And especially for me, I want to like work on all these like philosophy theories and multiverse and I'm working on all this crazy shit. And like part of me wishes that I had this, like, I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm self-educated or whatever the fuck, but like. It's uh, it's different to have like someone you can just literally look at and ask any fucking question you want, you know, and like get a instant response and like just gain this like base knowledge of anything. Do that is that something that you feel you you gain from going to college, or was that more of like your yourself, like you your own working in your with your art? I think, in to some degree, uh, college helped me. I don't know, man. I, I learned a hell of a lot from my dad and oh, learned yeah. a hell of a lot just growing up because, I mean, and again, not to harp on my dad either, but, um, you know, my, my dad was a 10th of 10 kids. Um, he was born in a place called Verda, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, they had no money. They had dirt floors when he was born. By the time he remembers, they had wood floors. Um, his oldest brother was older than my mom's dad. So Whoa. that shows you how kind of wide he was wow. the first child that was born in an actual hospital um, at a oh. 10. Uh, but they had no money. They had nothing. They were sharecroppers. And literally my dad, from the point that, you know, he was old enough to walk, was, you know, picking cotton and picking soybeans and, you know, helping his dad. And they had no car. They had no TV. Um, he's told me about he remembers walking down the um walking down the road like two or three miles with his older brother Clifford so they could watch the boxing match between, I don't want to say who it was because I'm not quite sure, but to watch this big box or, or mm-hmm. to listen to the big boxing match on the radio. Wow. Um, all that to say, my dad went from that to ending up getting his MBA um, and being uh, a, a, an executive at Bell South, which eventually became AT&T. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it inspired me because my dad and, and it and it, you know of course he went to Vietnam he was in the military intelligence he worked like black ops over there like crazy stuff and this kid wow. didn't I mean he had no he was the first kid that graduated first boy I should say 
uh, of, of his family that graduated high school, much less made it past the seventh grade. He that was the only crazy. one. Yeah. Wow. Um, so like, I don't know. College helped me, but college weirdly enough also made me appreciate the fact that I think that the most important lessons we learn are the ones we learn with human experience. And totally, I totally agree with that. You know, I, I love, I love, I've said this before, you know, everybody says I'm DIY, I'm DIY. My dad was DIY before Ian McKay was a fucking thought. In yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and no, and I love Ian. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, I yeah. love Ian. Um, the only difference is my dad wasn't like, you know, shaving his head and raging in somebody's basement in DC. Yeah. You know, he was basically rebuilding a tractor engine just by putting it together, making mistakes and learning and learning. Totally. And he did that for me and my, my, my older brother and sister, you know, that's, that's really, you know, that's really the thing that drives me with SFB. It drives me with, with, um, with the rioting and stuff like that. I don't like being told no. Mm-hmm. Um, I love proving myself because, you know, I, I do, I do everything on my own. I love doing shit on my own. It's just like, it's rewarding, not because I'm arrogant, but because it's, it, it's rewarding and it's cathartic because it's like, I own this and that's, it's something that I tell my students too, you know? Yeah. That's fucking, that's awesome, man. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I feel the same way, dude. And like, also when it comes to something like I care about a lot, you know, like it's, it's hard for me to take input and, or, you know, I'm good with input, but like, if it's some like this, for instance, like I just was like, this is mine and I'm going to do like whatever the fuck I want and how I want, you know? And it makes, makes a difference to me, you know? But, uh, yeah, that's fucking dude, your dad, that sounds, that's crazy. It makes sense that you (laughs) do all this different shit and, and, you know, growing up with someone like that, that's fucking awesome, dude. One last thing about teacher, uh, teaching, I wanted to ask you because I always think about what a fucking shithead child I was. And I was like, when I was a kid, right. Uh, and you know, I try, you know, I, I like stories on this show, you know, but like right. when I was a kid, man, like I was super into like glue. Right. And I would like glue things to my desk and I would like glue like shit on my teacher's desk, like in like perfect, like how it was already sitting there. And I would like glue money on the floor and shit, like it just glue her, like my teacher's drawers shut and stuff. Like, would you, uh, <laughs> do you have any like experiences with like total, like shithead kids where you're just like man that was actually really funny dude or like or like uh, anything like that i'm trying to think um because kids can be creative sometimes man when they're fucking doing bad shit you know i'm trying to think like i would have to pick a student that's no longer my student that's grown up since i have to you know be yeah. careful with my oh yeah, um, yeah as far as oh man i've had i've got some doozies man um <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact that, like, already out of the gate, I mean, my last name is Dick. So, yeah. like, <laughs> there, I, I literally, so somewhere funny. in here, if you, if you, if I'd known earlier, I would have found, God, I don't know where they are. I've got a collection of, like, just dick pics that, <laughs> that, that range from the crude, like, drawn dicks mm-hmm. from, like, the crude, like just badly drawn to, like, the actual creative. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've kept, I've kept them because I'm just like, that was really inventive. That was good. Like one with a yeah. cape. Yeah. And like, you know, <laughs> you know, one like just rocketing off into space. Yeah, I mean, you know, so there's funny. a lot of, you know, so that aside, um, I had a, uh, oh God, man. 
these students, um, and I'm actually friends with them now because uh, they're all, if this tells you how old I am, uh, they're like 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, they've seen me at shows before. They love metal. They're like into Torch. I saw them at the Torch show. Oh, we, that's we hang up. Oh, yeah. They're great kids. I love those guys to death. And um, uh, super smart, too. Just insanely smart. But um, I... They, they would come in and just rearrange my fucking drawers. Like, and I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but I'm fucking OCD. Yeah, I know. And like, when I say rearrange my drawers, I mean like everything would be gone. Like I would have my files just like jammed into the front. I had other stuff. They would put like little – they would get post-it notes and just like with the most disgusting pictures that they had drawn because they were all really good artists mm-hmm. and they would draw like nasty shit and just put it in my books, mm-hmm. like my teacher's edition. So when I open it up, there's like a picture of like a, a donkey, you know, basically filleting a, <laughs> a devil or something like, yeah, like just yeah. the worst <laughs> shit imaginable that I, I mean, I opening that up to, to do my lecture, to do my lesson. I just start busting out laughing so they literally did that for three years. That's so for tight. three fucking years, man. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so but tight. I got him back. I got him back. Yeah. So you know, I'm yeah. not. I'm not too concerned. Yeah, yeah. So. That's great, dude. That's so funny. Um. Okay. Cool. That's fucking. That's amazing, dude. Uh. So I wanted to move on and like, one of the things that I noticed and we've already talked about it is like just how much different stuff you do. Like you're a dad and you are always involved with your kids and your teaching. And I didn't know you have two teaching jobs and that's fucking crazy. And then uh-huh. you do steel it for is. brains, which is, you know, steel for brains has a lot of different aspects to it. So my question is like, how do you like, do you have a certain place or like a certain ritual or whatever to just like gather yourself, you know, like just to like calm your mind and just kind of like regroup your thoughts and stuff like that. Or is there, is there anything, or are you just like always on the go, you know? Man, what a great fucking question that I <laughs> wish I had an answer to. Yeah. No, I mean, typically my, okay. Uh, just to take you through a typical day, mm-hmm. if I could, yeah, is absolutely. that cool? Absolutely, dude. Um, this would be like a hell day, which I go into the, the 14 hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up every morning between four and four thirty. Wow. Um, I wake up, I have my coffee set cause I'm an old geezer. Um, I usually, I shave my head. So it takes a little bit longer in the shower. I go out here. Um, I check the news. I check my email, uh, just like the news to make sure nobody famous died or anything yeah. like that. Like literally, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, literally. That's the re- that's the only reason. I don't care about like the stocks or anything. I was yeah. like, hey, did uh, you know did Abe Bagoda die yet? You know, yeah. Uh, but I, it's a it's an important matter. Yeah. But um, I, I do all that. Um, I I don't eat breakfast. I probably should, but I don't have. I, I'm never hungry ever. Um, but uh, I, I do that, and then I sit down, and I start to grade some papers. I'll do a little lesson plan stuff uh, for my regular job. Um, I'll, I'll go over some notes and stuff like what I'm going to teach that day. That usually takes until about 5.30. Um, around 5.30, I get dressed, you know, make, make sure I look good and, you know, yeah. whatever. De- make sure I look decent enough for the yeah. students not to make fun of me too much. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because I definitely don't have any swag according to all of them. Um, 
It's all right, man. I, I try. Yeah. I try to be bougie. I try to be bougie. Yeah. It ain't happening. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I do that. And um, after from about 5.30 to 6, I, I'm, I'm getting dressed, all that shit. Uh, from 6 to 6.30, if I have time, I'll transcribe mm-hmm. um, some of the interviews that I've done. Uh, and then I leave because it's about 45, 50 minutes to go to work, to drive. Wow. So I drive there. I work from 7.20 to 3.30. I leave there if it's a hell day. I leave directly from work and drive another 50 minutes to an hour to my college teaching job. That is usually when I do almost all of my interviews. I usually do all of them on the road. Damn, that's, um, that's a good idea. I, it might be good. It might be terrible. And I only came <laughs> up with it about a year ago. But I just set my laptop with my recording device on and I literally like – have just jury rigged this thing to where I can just kind of poke the record button. Yeah. And then I just plug in my phone through my speakers. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I've had interviews with some like pretty significant, like big artists with them that's not even tight. knowing that I'm driving down the road. Yeah. That's and tight. like just, you know, I'm driving and talking at the same, which I'm sure is illegal. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should change that. Yeah. I do all of them. Oh, no, but, um, I had to do that because I had no time otherwise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I go, like I teach from five until eight forty-five. By the time I get out, it's nine because um, I had two classes. And from nine to the hour that it takes me to get back home, I'm doing another interview sometimes. Although I've really pulled back on that since Hannah and everything. Um, I get home if that's my night with the kids, which usually Monday and Tuesdays are. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I get home, I run in the door. Nothing else matters. I'm wrestling. I'm playing Mario Kart. I'm asking about their day. I'm reading. I'm coloring. I'm painting. I'm uh, you know I'm getting kicked in the nuts at least three yeah. or four times, <laughs> um, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, we're having dance parties, and then like 30 minutes later, I have to put them to bed. And when they're in bed, uh, I get right back at it. I grade for about 30 minutes to an hour, and then I transcribe for another hour, go to bed at midnight, wake up at 4, 4.30, do it all over again. That is fucking crazy, dude. That's fucking <laughs> crazy, dude. That is I know. insane, man. So maybe When I say it out loud, it sounds really fucking insane. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe like a... Yeah, maybe your routine is like is where you kind of get this. I don't know. Maybe it's like you're you're at peace with your routine, and it's like because me, man, I I I'm pretty like I have a I'm a pretty like routine based guy. Also, uh, yeah. nowhere near that. But like you know, like uh, I like to do all my shit in the morning, and that's when I'm most creative and blah blah. blah and then handle my business shit during the day, and then like, I mean, it's yeah, I don't know, but. Fuck, man. I even then, I guess tour is where I really have to like take moments, dude. And like, like literally just like concentrate on gathering my brain, you know, and like having like my fucking restoring my mental health and shit, you know? Yeah. But that's insane, man. You just stay on the go all the time. I mean, I could, and I I mentioned this on Twitter not to, not to have some confessional or anything like that, but you know, after Hannah, this last bout and all that, 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 fucking awful experience mm. of being in there um i mean I, I reevaluated a lot of stuff and for a while there i was just doing interview after interview after interview and you know for me it was it was like uh, i gotta do it, it was like i'm challenging myself and i kind of briefly lost the 
briefly lost the reason, you know, why I started doing it in the first place. And it really was just like you said there, for me, my calm place is, is the interview. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Like it's having conversations. And I know that sounds incredibly masturbatory or whatever, but you know, for me to be able to have a conversation with anybody, I don't care if it's like a, an artist with 500 Facebook likes or mm -hmm. one with 5 million, it doesn't matter. Like mm -hmm. I love, talking to people. I love interacting with people because people have stories, people have personalities. And I, I, I so greatly appreciate and just, just, it's invaluable to me, the, the lives of other people, mm -hmm. because like for me, it gives me kind of this, this hope for humanity, not to sound like a total cheese ball, but you know, it, I don't know, it instills something good, uh, within me and, and it, and it kind of re revitalizes yeah. me. So that that really was the whole reason, you know, for me starting it, and and it took that, and that, that's not the only reason it happened. Obviously, not just for me, but you know, that that was one of my takeaways from it was like I I, I got to slow down, mm -hmm. and I have to I have to enjoy this, and I have to take those moments because I could stand to take moments, dude. I could, yeah. It, it's it's very difficult. If you were to ask my family what vacations with me have been like for the last two years, it would be pretty embarrassing. Yeah, because I. Yeah. I've been the guy like making notes about albums, um, just just absolutely stressed beyond belief, thinking about, you know, and, and it's funny because somebody asked me, they were like, so how do you come together with your questions? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have any, I have one question for every interview and then I just go from there. I don't ever write down an outline or anything. Yeah, that's and awesome. And they, they were like, really? I was like, nah, man, because I would be even more stressed. If I thought about that, like I would fucking have a stroke yeah, yeah so i just i can't even yeah yeah so, that's I mean, great dude that's a great yeah. like uh that's a great approach dude i was actually I hope so man that answer is one of my that was answers my next question and i was going to ask you your approach to doing interviews but oh. <laughs> there, there it is that's awesome that that that's pretty much it uh i that's pretty and now you can't do that with an email interview but even with an email interview and I, i've never told anybody this steven uh, because it's kind of embarrassing. Um, with an email interview, I, I've learned to read people really well and mm -hmm. I've learned to read reactions. Part of it's just being a teacher and mm -hmm. knowing how, what the human condition is, how people are interact, interact and communicate. Um, I, I'll ask a question. I have a lot of follow-ups mm -hmm. and the follow-ups are basically an anticipatory question based on what I think they're going to say in that first question. Okay. Damn. So I, I literally stagger those just like that. If you, it's a hot fucking mess. Yeah, yeah. The poor art. I, I, I feel so bad for artists who have to, to have to endure my interviews, man. But I, I, I start off with a fairly open-ended question, and then I just let it roll That's from awesome. there. And I, I just I let them guide the interview. And I know that that that's not good. If I was a if I was a news journalist and I I, I needed an answer, if I was, you know, interviewing. Oh, fuck, I don't know. I, 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 name any politician. You know, if I was interviewing Harry Reid or something mm -hmm. like that, you know, I would obviously have a set list of questions because I am wanting to, you know, I, I need to get information out of him. Mm -hmm. If I'm interviewing, you know, fucking Stephen O'Malley, mm -hmm. um, I the only thing I want out of him is honesty mm -hmm. and a story. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, so that that that's to me that's the. The, the big difference there. That's the disparity between those two. If that answers the question. No, it totally Sorry does. To no, no, it totally does. Um, and I absolutely encourage rambling. Eh? <laughs> but 
Yeah, man. Like, uh, so this was all kind of like new to me, dude. You know, and like, uh, uh, I talk about it a few times, but like the reason I want to do this because I fucking like 90% of the interviews that we do on the road and shit are total like annoying, like fucking questions. And it's, and it's weird to try to like make someone take some sort of like stance on something out in the world when it's what you're saying. Like I was always like, shouldn't we be talking about like music and you're interviewing us? So shouldn't we be talking about like our take on music, you know, instead of fucking, and yeah, it's, and and it was really strange to me because you're this. It's all still really new, right, uh, for me. And you're like the seventh or eighth person I've done this with. And I just started realizing, dude, like like I would finish an interview and be like, "Damn, that was a fucking great interview!" Like blah blah blah. And then I realized, like, oh, like all of them. It's just kind of the standard because exactly what you're talking about. I just like I'm super interested in hearing these like stories, you know, and it's. And it's so crazy because, and I didn't even know that that's what I was going for. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to like talk with our artist friends or anybody that's involved, you know? Yeah. And it just consistently is like blowing my mind, dude. Like everybody I interview, I'm like, dude, that that's fucking crazy and really tight, yeah. you know? And yeah, it's like, it was like an unexpected, uh, like benefit from doing this because now you know seven people in i have like seven stories that i'm just like holy shit that is fucking crazy you know and that's a but you know steven that that is the best approach to anything any kind of art form and any kind of thing that's worth doing there needs to be a certain kind of um i don't know there for me there needs to be a certain kind of abandon and innocence you know when you when you just kind of abandon this because, you know, and going back to the whole interview approach for a lot of people, and I'm not going to shit on other people's interview approaches because everybody has their thing. And I'm, sh- I'm sure there are a lot of people that want to know, like, what last meal you had or whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, and that's fine. I really – and I used to be very, like, nobody wants to know that. That's bullshit. Like, I might want to know, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I love – I fucking love Lucky Charms. And I yeah. would be very <laughs> interested to know that, like, Glenn Benton, yeah. you know, like chowed – you know what I'm saying? And if yeah. he did it the same way I did and just ate all the oats first so there's nothing yeah. but marshmallows left, um, like, that would be – that would be the tits for me. Yeah. But um, but for me, like, you know, like like I said and like you just said, you know, to, to know the stories and to know the – the commonalities we share, you know, when I find out that an artist that I've respected for so long is also a dad mm-hmm. or has also dealt with a, you know, sibling suicide or who has also dealt with depression or anything like that. Or, you know, to me, that's just like, that is what this is all about. And, you know, that's the reason I don't ask, you know, what's your stance on this? Because frankly, if I'm interviewing an artist, it's none of it, unless it's become a story in and of itself. And mm-hmm. that artist has made it, a part of their art. Mm-hmm. It's none of my fucking business. Yeah, it's absolutely. just none of my fucking business. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that disagree with that and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's just not my, that's just not my thing. And I think it, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for you that you're, you're kind of coming into that like, Whoa, holy shit. Because it is a great feeling when yeah, you realize that this is happening in spite of me. You know, yeah, like I'm crazy. just kind of facilitating this conversation and, it's happening. Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. It's fucking, it's crazy, dude. And I'm, I'm stoked that, because my approach in the beginning was just like, oh, let's just do it with our, with our dogs. You know what I'm saying? Let's just talk with our dogs and like, it's all good. And it always turns into, maybe it's like a comfort thing. Because dude, honestly, for me, man, like, 
it was it took me a long time to like be social in any way i used to get the craziest social anxieties and shit man and like, really yeah dude and it was really bad dude. like really bad for me and that sent me yeah. on this like like you know i did a lot of like drugs on the road and shit and it was like this like thing to help me fucking even just speak to people you know and then i realized like oh that shit's literally like destroying my brain and then once i stopped doing all that i was like oh so it's so i don't know it it was a big anxiety for me to start this and but then it was like so my approach was like i'm just gonna have friends that we can talk to and shit and then that way it'll, it'll be easy on it was like kind of selfish i was like it'll make it easy for me you know but i think right. that just like grew into this like really comfortable setting and i would i would start it off just trying to talk with people about their art and it every time dude it's consistently been like this great fucking story dude and like i was just like dude this is super tight it was just all unexpected man and i'm like really excited about how it's going dude like it's it's weird well it's it's great because you you don't have i don't know you don't you don't have an agenda mm -hmm. and you know and, and i'm sure that people would get into an argument with me about this but you know when you come into something a, Coming into something blind is vastly underrated. Yeah. And I mean that because what you do is you allow yourself to be a little bit vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You allow your subject to be a little bit vulnerable. And that's a, that can be a wonderful place to be if you have people skills. That's the thing, man. A lot of people don't have people skills. And so yeah. they're just like, if there's that, and, and I could, oh God, man, I could tell you stories. I won't, but yeah. just with interviews that like were dying. Yeah, <laughs> like one and two and three questions in, I was just like, "Fuck, this guy's yeah. not giving me anything." Yeah, and you have to you have to find something that you know interests them, or find some hook, just in like a nuance of how they say something. Like mm -hmm. if they their interest briefly just peaks up and just latch onto that. Yeah, totally. And man, I've had I've had to wing it, and it ended up being like a thirty five minute conversation just because I was just like, "Fuck, I can't. This is gonna die. This yeah. is gonna fucking." wreck yeah yeah so it's it's tough man yeah it's i'm trying to tough. i'm trying to stay realistic and know that that it that will most likely happen one day you know but i'm trying i'm just trying to like you know when it happens i'll just fucking deal with it then because like man for me dude it's like that's a that's an anxiety for me dude because it's like um, we'll see we'll see what happens with it but yeah oh, look it'll happen and you'll own it You'll own it, dude. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, hopefully. I think, yeah. You'll have it. Yeah, by the time that happens, uh, that, that was another reason I wanted to do, like, all the buds, you know? Because, like, yeah, that, it kind of just, it's like a pretty, it was, to be very honest, it's like a selfish, this is going to make it easy for me, so, and, no, but it makes it easy for them, too, I guess, you know? Well, that's good. You need a, you know, it's like you need kind of a good start to help you get prepped. Exactly. And, you know, it, 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 seriously, man, if... Oh man, if if Michael Girard or uh, David Eugene Edwards had been my first interviews, I would have fucking given up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I would have fucking given up. I yeah. mean, because that those I mean, that's intense, man. I had yeah. to go take a long walk after those, and you know, it's and those are great guys, but it's just like fuck, you know. I, I was by that time I was ready. Mm -hmm. I was not ready, but I was like. More ready than I was in June or July of 2012 when I was just like a greenhorn yeah. and knew even less than I know now, which is not a whole lot. So that's 
Don't don't sweat it, man. You'll be fine. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so is there anybody, is there any bands that you've worked with recently uh, through your blog or reviewed or anything that you're like especially excited about or, or you really enjoyed working with or reviewing or anything? Um, man, uh, the, as far as recent features, is yeah, that yeah, mean? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, man, I, I, I'm going to sound like a total schmuck here. Uh, that the interview that I just posted today with Tom Gabriel Fisher, mm-hmm. uh, from Celtic Frost and Trypticon, uh, is actually my favorite interview I've ever done. Whoa. Tim, that's yeah. tight. Um, and it was done at MDF. Uh, it was weird because I wasn't even planning on interviewing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his publicist kind of said, Hey, uh, if you want to talk to Tom, he's available. And I just kind of went with my gut and I was like, ah, yeah, I'll talk to him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I figured it, I would have like a 15 minute spot, you know, something like that. And we've been talking for 35 minutes and I just asked him about HR Giger because I love alien and, yeah, dude, you know, absolutely. um, yeah. And I mean, it just turned into this very, just it turned into this very lovely, just heartfelt, completely open-ended conversation that, I don't know, it just, it, it reminded me of why I got into this in the first place, you know, totally. it, it, you know, and, and I think that that's, I needed that at MDF. I needed that kind of, you know, reminder, and that was good to see friends, and they kind of helped me, you know, have that too, that camaraderie of, hey man, we got you, you know, you're, you're that's good. Awesome. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like yeah, a big fucking team, dude. Everybody's killing it together. Oh man, yeah. And, but as far as other stuff, I mean, um, I've got a couple of cool things coming up soon. I think that are that are pretty cool and pretty stoked about. Awesome. So, good. Um, without saying too much, I guess because the surprise factor or whatever. The, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the hell. My my, uh, I, I still think pro- probably my. Uh, like cool points would be Gary Newman, weirdly <laughs> enough, because yeah, yeah. I fucking love Gary Newman. Yeah, yeah, and totally. we, dude, oh my god, that I loved doing that, and I love talking to him. I love the fact that his wife is like his manager, and she answers the phone. That she was the president of his fan club, and that he ended up marrying her. I mean, that's crazy, dude. That's like, I was like, fuck yes, Gary Newman, yeah. like. All day, every day, I love this dude. So yeah, I mean, that that was definitely that was pretty special, uh, you know. And I and I have gotten close to some bands and stuff like that. Just just from a just from a camaraderie standpoint, like even you know even George and Carrie and, yeah, and seeing. I mean, I've been a Death Heaven fan since you know Roads to Judah, and you know watching those guys, watching you guys go from that and like you know, kind of peaking some people's interests, like, you know, you hear kind of, and then just fucking exploding and doing these tours and going, like, I could, it's almost like I'm proud. I don't want to sound like a, an arrogant asshole, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm proud of them. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm so happy for them and you guys. And I don't know. It's just like, that to me is like the coolest thing to see a band, like work their fucking asses off, ignore the haters and just fucking just blaze a trail like that to me is like the baddest ass shit like it doesn't get any better than that yeah man yeah it's been really intense and really fucking fun dude i mean i can't i can't wait for you to hear the new record dude oh my god shit i can't either dude yeah i'm i'm super excited i have never i haven't been like it's the most ever i've been like like for lack of a better word, just like not really like nervous about, you know, like I'll listen to it still and be like, damn, this is fucking amazing, you know? And it's, because, oh, yeah. you know, it's because like, 
all five of us just fucking shoved ourselves into the situation and like wrote shit. And I, me personally, dude, I feel like I play with like four of like the craziest musicians, dude. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. fucking crazy, dude. And it, I, I've been in a lot of fucking bands and I haven't been in a band where I'll just like be playing my shit and looking over and just being like fucking in awe, dude. Like, dude, Dan is the, I don't even want to talk about this shit because Dan's going to listen to it and fucking. Oh, right no. Now. Uh, <laughs> it's but okay. We're it's off just, the record. Yeah, yeah. It's just crazy, dude. Like, it's like Dan is um, fucking killing it the entire time. And rhythm, you know, as far as rhythm section, I'll just like know how on point we are. And I'll just be like, dude, this is blowing my fucking mind, dude. And it's just same with Carrie and Shiv and like whatever the fuck, George, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, man, it's like, I can't wait for you to hear it, dude. It's going to be, it, it's, I hope. I'm stoked, man. Yeah. Hopefully it's, uh, it does well. Uh, yeah. But. I have no doubt. Yeah, we'll see. I have no um, doubt. So, yeah, anything I know, you know, besides revealing anything, is there any other projects you have going on in the future? Like, what's going on in, you know, personal, like, whatever? Like, what's up? What's in the future for uh, Jonathan Dick? Well, uh, 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 making it one day at a time, Steve. No, mm -hmm. um, no uh, I, my first novel is being published at the end of this month. Fuck yeah, dude. That's so fucking tight, dude. Um. I hope so. I hope so. I hope more than I hope more than my mom buys it, dude. All I, think dude, maybe, I can't wait to read it, dude. I mean, I'm, I think my dad. I think my dad may buy a copy yeah. just to hold up at yeah. a Sunday school and be like, "Don't read this. It's probably got dirty language in it." Yeah. My boy wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? that's amazing, dude. Um, but that's happening. Uh, there's some. Without saying too much, and I know I keep saying that. I'm sorry. No, I, it's fine. Uh, I don't want to run my mouth, but. Um, I, there's, I'm currently writing a screenplay. I'm working on a screenplay that has to wow. do that's based on the book, uh, that might work really, really well for, for me and my future and for my kid's future. I'll that's put it that way. So exciting, man. That's um, exciting. I'm, I'm super excited about that. And finally, finally, fucking finally. Um, I, and I know nobody believes me now, but, um, SFB print will finally be coming to fruition. I, I've rehauled everything. I, I had it together and it just wasn't what I wanted because I'm a perfectionist and mm -hmm. I fucking I don't like busy stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you could tell by looking at the site. I like minimal, 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 yeah, minimal, yeah, yeah. minimal. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. like glitzy. I don't need glitzy. I just need black, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I love that shit. Just anything just monochrome or just basic. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm a basic guy. Yeah, you know? totally. Uh, well, it's for the but, information, uh, right? The the site is for the information. That's what right. Yeah, yeah, just read the shit. You don't need sparkles yeah. and fucking animated like you know squirrels running across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna do a print, and it's gonna be it's gonna be unlike anything anyone has ever done as far as a print metal zine. Uh, in fact, it will be a magazine. It will be glossy. Uh, there will be one issue a year. Um, a lot of guest spots. Uh, a, not too many interviews. It's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a little bit different, but I think people are going to be very, very fucking happy with what it is. So that is really I'm fucking awesome, dude. I'm stoked, man. Yeah. I'm super stoked. That's fucking great, dude. That's that, uh, dude. I'm excited. Dude. I cannot wait to read your novel because I dude, besides just reading, I understand how intense the process of writing a novel is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, not that I've like fully written a full one, but I've been working on one and it's like, 
so oh, wow. intense, dude. It's really intense, and it's like yeah. a prolonged thing. And I've always looked at art, just any art form, as like a representation of like your life in a certain time pre- period, you know. And yeah. for me, the thing that struck me about writing a novel is like, oh, this is a representation of a time period in my life, but on a way bigger scale. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is like going to take three years of my life, you know, and right. that is intense. And in three years, shit, in the last three years, man, I've been like on top and fucking way on the bottom, you know? So it's like yeah. really intense to have this consistent like approach to something like that, you know? But, um, man, dude, that was, that's all my questions, dude. I'm like, so that is a that was a great fucking interview man dude, <laughs> holy shit I, I i i think the same thing man i i i don't have any questions i'm yeah. um i seriously man i'm I'm honored that you asked me to come on and oh, you know yeah this is a this is a real pleasure dude seriously. absolutely man and yeah i mean in the future when uh when we when you know that magazine comes out and and whatever everything like we'll just have you back on because it'll be fucking awesome and we oh yeah man we can bullshit for uh let's see like damn like an hour and 20 minutes (laughs) yeah i I, i'm known for being way too wordy man so that's i'm down with it dude like that's i love it man i keep the interviews keep getting like more comfortable and like just going for a long time to a point that's, where someday I'm going to be have to be like, all right, we need to cut, start cutting this. That's shit. great though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you want to have more content to work with than like exactly nothing. Exactly. To work yeah. With, so, well, man, well, I thank fucking, you. Dude, thank you. I really appreciate, uh, you doing this. Like I'm so I'm blown away by this interview. It was really fucking great. Um, thank you. And I'm stoked. Uh, dude, it means a lot. And especially like, you know, uh, steel for brains is, is amazing and it's something that I like, but the other aspects of your life and what you do are like really crazy, dude. <laughs> it's like really in, in a great way. I mean, you know, uh, well, thank the you. human being part of it and like teaching and, and being a dad, all that stuff is really intense. And I think you do a fucking great job of balancing it and putting it out there. And it's inspiring to fucking shit writers like myself. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just on. kidding. Uh, well, thank you, dude. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. That was Jonathan Dick. And that was the tightest fuck interview. Um, I asked him what he wanted me to close the show out with. And he said, run the jewels, bust no moves. So I'm going to play that. And then I'll see you motherfuckers uh, in like seven to ten days or something like that. All right, peace. Pay the most, but me, I get it cheaper. Strong rapper reefer, rapping in a big cohiba. I get so high, I close my eyes and swear that I saw Jesus. I take another token, goddamn, I feel comatose. I double cup and that's what up and now I'm leaning, folk. I'm talking any given Sunday, will it be me, hope? My bitch say that I get too high and might kill my brain. I tell her that she talks too much and she should get some rain. We used to fuck a lot, but now you just fussing complain. What a fucking shame, hit the door and hit the block. Avoid the walking dead, the zombies still hunting raw. My days are wasting time, slanking dimes is way behind. I'm still trying to be a moving with a mason's mind. I will get a meal, ain't nobody taking mine. You saw the sucker, see you saps at the finish line. You know I stay the ground. I stay high in the morning.
your messiah, I ain't never got it. You see them jewel runners coming, boy, we body body. We bout that OPP, we digging other people's pockets. Keep it cool, run the jewel, ain't no other way around it. I want the rings and the chains, run the jewel. I want the watches and the braces, run the jewel. We at the table leading everybody food. Invasion of the chains, that's a bend up or some move. I'ma call me, I'm running with more than fucking scissors. I'm the Cadillac, I'll fuck you back off in you bitches. You the Cadillac, I'll fuck it, just suck at this rap shit. I'm the Cadillac, I'll suck it, I'm fucking disastrous. We the Hardy and Tom and I plan a bomb game. The lead them all to the mall and then set them off gang. You wanna hang like Hussein, eat them all of my shit and then put your lips to my true brain. And get the hashtag fart noise. I used to give a half fuck, now I just laugh. I barely blink when it gets bad. Maybe I'm class. I pull the ducks out my eyes, I don't cry, I just can't. Killer Mike brought the fire pack. Lighted off the centers of the city where the riots at. The living fuckboy erasing carved initials in the wet cement right where you died at. I stay higher than Messiah, I ain't never got it. You see them new runners coming, boy, we body body. We bout that OPP, we digging other people pockets. Keep it cool, run the jewels. Ain't no other way around it. I want the rings and the chains, run the jewels. I want the watches and the braces, run the jewels. We at the table leading everybody food. Invasion of the chains that's been up a smooth. Who wanna run the summer with the Jew runners? Got your girlfriend hotter than a two summers. Everybody tough till they see them tools on them. Then they doing number twos in the true religions. Law, please don't shoot, they get too religious. Truth is, we go vicious on these dude pitches. Pistol pointed at they misses like I killed these bitches. We run the Jews and we be talking pick and pay attention. Run the jewels, be a bit odd. We bad news. You barely get a fat chance to slim odds. You barely get a short plank. The law was taught like a sawed off. No laws when I taught, nah. And I'm Kalista caught spitting. You always take the time to smell the rose when it wither. I say better luck tomorrow, but the horror of your life is me and Mike are just beginning. <laughs>